Okay. Yvonne, will you pass these out, please? As Denise is passing out, or as, as Yvonne is passing out uh, a handout to go along with my teaching, I'm just going to give you a little introduction. Pastor Tim, over the last several weeks, has been sharing uh, uh, some really awesome manna, some, some food from heaven. And it his, I don't know exactly what his title is, but basically he's got 40 pieces of, of uh, tools, 40 tools that we can use to receive healing. And the awesome thing is, God meets us where we're at and exactly what we need. So only one of those tools is needed. The piece that I'm teaching on tonight is something you've probably heard before, and that is one word from God, just one word from God can get whatever it is that you need. And I don't, I shouldn't have said it that way. It's not about getting something. It's about receiving. But only one word from God can change your life. One word from God can take you from the place of, of depression into wholeness or from mourning into joy or from sickness into health. One word from God. The title of this teaching is Nothing is Impossible with God. And that, just that in itself is a great word, isn't it? Nothing is impossible with God. So before I start, I'm just going to pray. Father God, this word right here, I know, is treasure. I know that it's rich. I know that your Holy Spirit has just unveiled so much as I've just been seeking you about this. So, Father, I pray right now that Holy Spirit is free to speak whatever he would speak tonight. I pray for our hearts right now. I pray that our hearts are open to receive, that it's like a, 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 a piece of land that has been plowed up, ready to receive seed. I pray that our heart is ready to receive. I just thank you, Father, ahead of time for what you're going to give us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the first scripture that I want to go to is in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. And this is when Mary has been invited to be the mother of the Messiah. The angel Gabriel has come and spoken to her and given her a word or a message that is beyond her comprehension. The angel Gabriel is inviting her or asking her and saying, you're the chosen one to be the mother of the Messiah that our people have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But she didn't understand it. And she said, how? How can that possibly be? Because I haven't known a man. How can that possibly be? And the angel explained that the Holy Spirit was going to be the seed that would join with her female seed and conceive this Messiah, this baby Messiah. And then he also said, the angel Gabriel also said, that her cousin Elizabeth, who was barren and who was an older woman, had also conceived a child and was in her sixth month of pregnancy. And then, this is what the angel Gabriel said. He said, for with God... Nothing will be impossible. The next words in the Bible are Mary's words. And she says, okay, okay, so be it done unto me. And she received the promise. She received, she conceived Jesus in her womb. And then she proceeded to grow in pregnancy and delivered the Messiah into the world. But this scripture right here, I'm going to stop and I'm going to talk about the word that's underlined. For with God, nothing will be impossible. When I learned what I'm going to tell you right now, I was blown away. That word nothing is made up of three words in the Greek language. And they are no thing rhema. For with God, no thing rhema. Rhema will be impossible. You need to know what Rhema is to get the full meaning of this. So let's go there and let's talk about it. The scripture says that if the word, if what is in your heart is Rhema, nothing will be impossible. 
Now, there are two kinds of words from God. The first one is logos. And the logos word is the written word of God. That's what your Bible is. It's the logos of God. Every single million words, every single word in this Bible is logos. And it's all beautiful. In Timothy, it says that it's divinely inspired. It's God-breathed. These words are breathed by God, by the Holy Spirit. They were written by men, but they were breathed into those men through the Holy Spirit. And they're powerful. However, the word logo is um, the root word that our word logic comes from. We can study the written word. We can go to Bible studies. We can read the written word. And we can grow in understanding, and that's all well and good. But that is not rhema. And just mentally understanding, learning, like you study anything, just studying the Bible and studying the, the, the stories and the, and the history and the timeline of the Bible does not change your life. It does not make the impossible possible. There are people, and I don't mean to speak badly, I'm just making a point. There are people that have studied the Bible for years, but their life doesn't show the evidence. They're not living the impossible. They're not seeing the impossible become possible. The second word is rhema. That's the word that's in the scripture. A rhema word is a word that is spoken or revealed to us by God. It's not just understood logically. It is received into our heart. It is spoken and received deep into our heart. And the awesome thing about a rhema word is that it doesn't even have to be understood. Mary didn't understand. I'm sure she didn't understand when that angel came to her and told her about the Messiah being, you know, was going to grow in her. I'm sure when the, when the prophet spoke of the, the Messiah and, and the people were looking for the Messiah, they weren't looking for an infant. But that's what God's plan was. I'm sure Mary didn't understand how that was going to happen. And what would happen and, and what the results would be and, and all of the ramifications of being a young, unwed, pregnant mother in that day and age. But she received it. God spoke through that angel. She received it. It was rhema to her. And the scripture says, for with God, no thing that is spoken and revealed by God into your heart, that's what rhema means, will be impossible. So let's talk about Rhema. I'm going to share four possible ways that God's word can become Rhema. Now, there, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just giving you a sampling of how God's word can be spoken directly to your heart. The first way is directly through the scripture, through the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, there's lots of words, and it is Logos words. But that Logos can almost rise up off the page and plunk right in your heart. It's like you're reading and you have a specific need for a specific season and God gives you a word that is so powerful it just takes your breath away. Uh, the analogy I like to use is that it's like the font changes from 8 font to 20 font. <laughs> it just like lifts off the page. Not literally, but it feels like it does. And it's so powerful. And you get this little feeling in your, in your heart like, oh my gosh, God, thank you for that. And it's just what I needed. It's just exactly what I needed. And that word from the Logos has moved into a different realm. Instead of just being the written word, God has spoken to your heart from the Bible. So that's one way that words can become rhema to you. And that's powerful. When that word is rhema to you, and you take it into your heart, that's where faith rises up. And that's our part in receiving. So the impossible becomes possible because we believe. Because God has revealed it to our heart. It's ours. We own it. Another way that word can become rhema 
is by the Holy Spirit speaking directly to your heart. You don't have to have him speaking through the Bible. He can speak directly to your heart through prayer, through his still small voice. When we just let him speak to us, it sounds very much like our own voice. I'm going to talk more about that later when I talk about meditation, biblical meditation. But he can speak directly to our heart. Another way that word can become rhema to us is through teaching. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in in a Sunday service or in another teaching, I feel like that pastor knows who I am and knows everything about me because the message that he's teaching or that she's teaching is directly related to what I need. It's like God is speaking to me, directly to me. Like that sermon was written for me and nobody else. That message was, was, was inspired by the Holy Spirit just for me. And that becomes rhema to me. I take it in. I receive it. God's word is spoken it, and it moves immediately into my heart. That's rhema. It might be through something you're reading. Sometimes you'll have a book or something that you're reading and it's, oh, you're just like eating it. It's just, you need that word so much. So word can become rhema through a good, not good, an anointed teacher or an anointed message by the Holy Spirit directly through that message to you. And the last way that I want to talk about tonight, and this is what the message is going to be about. Word can become rhema to you as, I want to make sure I read this right, it can gradually... It can gradually become rhema as you hear it, and hear it, and hear it. Before we started the meeting, my friend Yvonne, raise your hand, Yvonne, right there. She was talking to me, and um, we went to a conference last summer. It was Andrew Walmack conference out in Colorado. And when I came back, I brought back the thumb drive. They had all of the teachings, and we gave a copy to each person on our ministry team, our Troy ministry team. And she just started listening because she, her son had to get it on her iPad and everything. She said, Cindy, I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm listening. She's on her third time through the whole conference. And she said, she's got a little uh, Polish accent. I can't do her accent. But she said, and Cindy, she said, you know what's happening? She said, because last night, I was teaching last night, and I, and I made the statement that my revelation might not be your revelation. I can give it to you. I can share what God has shown to me. doesn't mean it's your revelation. It doesn't mean it's rhema to you. But Yvonne said, but when I'm listening over and over and over, it's becoming my revelation. It's becoming rhema. God is speaking. And that's another way, and it's a powerful way, that God's amazing promises become real to us and and they become planted in our heart and they're not just logos they are deposited in our heart god speaks them to us as we hear them over and over and over um, i would like to look right now at romans 12 verse 2 and i'm going to connect this scripture with the teaching on growing that rhema word in your heart This is one of my favorite scriptures. I love this one. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are four words that are underlined in there. I'm going to go through and kind of break this scripture down. The first word is conformed. God is speaking to us in the scripture, and he's saying, do not be conformed to the world. That means pressed into the mold of the world. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Let me use um, uh, a diagnosis or a sickness as an example. In the world, the, the, the default of the world, if you've received a diagnosis, is to immediately do everything that you can do in the natural. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. But you're going to see when we move on. But the second part is way more powerful. But when we're conformed to the world, we go to every doctor. We do the research. I'm looking at my friend Mary because we've been talking a lot, haven't we, hon? 
you do the research, you do, you get the best doctor, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the that's where they stop. That's where the world stops. That's the conformity of the world. But God says, better yet, He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed, the Greek word is metamorpho. And it's the same word that our word metamorphosis comes from. And that word transformed literally means to be changed from one form into another. Like a caterpillar into a butterfly. They look, they act, they move, they eat completely differently. And God says that's his best for us to be transformed to be completely changed from one form into another. If you guys knew me in January of 2002, and you saw me today, you would not see the same person. The word of God has transformed me. The rhema word of God has made me a different person. And I'm not, I know he's done that with probably every one of you as well. This word says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. It doesn't happen like magic. It says we're transformed as our mind is renewed. That word renewed literally means renovating or remodeling. So before you look at the fill in the blank part, just, just stay with me for a sec. If you're remodeling something in your home, like a kitchen... Before you can remodel it, you have to do demolition. You have to take out the old before you can put in the new. You have to take out the old countertops, the old sinks, right, Yvonne? The old refrigerator, the old flooring. She just did her kitchen. It was a huge process. You have to do all that before you can put the new in. The same thing is true when we renew our mind. And this word, when you look it up in the original language and look at the meaning, it means a renovation or a remodel. But in order to do that remodel, the first thing is that our old thought patterns, our old mindsets need to be demolished. And then completely remodeled with the renewal of our mind. Let me give you some examples. In my uh, days before I was diagnosed with cancer, my typical Prayer ended with, if it be your will. So I would pray a prayer, and then I would end it with, if it be your will. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't know that it was God's will to heal. So when I initially started praying, I said, Father God, if it is your will, heal my body. But if it isn't, give me the strength to endure, whatever, something to that extent. When I started learning what God's will is according to the Bible, that mindset was demolished. The old mindset that said, is it your will, God? The old mindset that prayed, if it be your will, in context with healing, changed. That was removed. That was demolished because I came to know new truth. And in order for me to pray and believe for healing, I had to get rid of something that the Bible didn't support. In the Word, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus healed. He didn't make people sick. He healed. He didn't tell people that the sickness was going to teach them a lesson. Now, even if they were sinners, they were healed. And then he said, now go and sin no more. There were... 23 accounts. I had to stop and get my numbers right. There were 23 accounts in the Bible where individuals were healed of specific diseases in the Gospels. Then there were 17 more accounts where every single person was healed in a multitude. And when I think of multitudes, I think of thousands. And every single person that was in need was healed. We, our team, our ministry team, the people with the badges, if you want to see scripturally that it is God's will to heal, we can go to scriptures in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we can look at what the word so-so or salvation means and the fullness of what our salvation includes. 
That's not what this teaching is. But the point I'm making is that before we can believe and change our mindset, we need to demolish old, old thinking if, if it isn't in agreement with God's word. And then you build on it with God's word, and your mind is renewed. The last part of this scripture in Romans 12, 2 says, okay, God says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then there's a comma. And the second half of the sentence tells the results of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it says, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word prove means to test, to examine, and then to recognize as genuine after examination. So as our mind is renewed, and we have the promises of God, we have the word of God, and that word becomes spoken and revealed to our heart, we're taking that word, we're looking at it, we're, we're, we're testing, we're examining, and the result is that you will see that it is genuine. And the word of God, the perfect will of God, will be evidenced. In this case, we're talking about healing. This is a healing class. So God's perfect will of healing will be proven, will be shown as genuine as the promises of healing become rhema, become revealed to your heart. So in the middle of your, of your page, there's a box with a statement. This is a big statement. We're going to talk now about meditation on, on God's word. Meditation on promises from the Bible, on God's word, is our primary source for renewing our mind, conceiving that rhema word in our heart like Mary did, conceiving the promise, and then receiving the impossible. That's when the impossible becomes possible. It's when the word from God is made rhema in our heart. And meditation, biblical meditation, is the primary way that that happens. I'm going to give you three scriptures right now, evidence. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you'll see in parentheses it says rhema. The word word in Greek is rhema. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. Not the logos of God, but the rhema of God. The hearing is a very important piece. Hearing it spoken. A rhema word is a spoken, revealed word of God to your heart. So as we hear it, like Yvonne was talking, with the teaching that she's been listening to, as she hears it over and over and over, it is growing in, in the depth, it's, uh, I'm going to go there in a minute, so I'm just going to hold that thought for a sec, because I don't want to get ahead of myself. The next scripture I want to talk about is John 15, 7. It says, if you abide in me, Jesus is speaking, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and yep, that word is rhema, if you abide in me, and my rhema abides in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. This is very much like the first scripture where God says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. This is very similar. God says, when that rhema word is in you, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 the first part of the psalm, the first few lines of the psalm, um, remind me of the part of um, Romans 12, 2 that says, don't be conformed to the world. Listen to this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Those are the kind of the 
being conformed to the world. But they delight, instead, they delight in the law of the Lord. Where the, where the word law is, you could put the word word. They delight in the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. We delight in the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. We're like trees. We're like trees, and we bear fruit. That's good news. Bearing fruit is good, as long as it's good fruit. We bear fruit, and we prosper. So let's look at that word meditate. Talk about what it means. The, the word, the Hebrew word for meditate, this is Old Testament, so it's in Hebrew, is the word H-A-G-A-H. I don't know how to pronounce it. Haga? I'm just taking a guess. And when you look it up in the concordance, it's interesting because there are several words, and I put them on your, on your sheet, that, that um, uh, this word is like broken down into. And I'm going to share how when we meditate, we go through the same order of moving into a place of receiving that word into our heart as we meditate. So the words are utter and mutter is the first level, and then meditate, and then imagine, and then speak, and then roar. So I'm just going to kind of tell you, talk through it, and then I'm going to give you an example of what that looks like. So the first level is to utter or mutter. When we begin, when we just start this process, all we're doing is speaking it out loud. We're uttering it or muttering it or speaking it out loud. And when that happens, that's when it very, the very, very, very beginning of the, of the conception. When Mary received the word from the angel and she said, okay, let it be done unto me, she spoke it out. That's when the conception of the promise happened. And that's what happens when we just start speaking. Now, you might not feel like you believe it. It might not be real to you, but you're starting to speak it. You're uttering it. You're muttering it. That's the first, the first step in meditation. The second one, meditate. The word meditate means to think, to ponder, to contemplate, to focus your thoughts. In the, gospel, the second chapter of Luke, the first chapter is where Mary says yes. In the second chapter, this is in there, verse 19, Mary kept all of the, these things and pondered them in her heart. So when we have those promises from God, first we just utter them, speak them out, repeat them out loud. And the next step is thinking about them, pondering them. Letting God speak to you about them. What does God mean by that? I mean, that's what I often do. I just sit and I say, okay. And I kind of talk to myself about that scripture. I'm pondering it. I'm thinking about it. That's the second step. The third step is imagine. Next, we imagine that word by picturing within ourselves what it would look like to see God's promise come to pass. That imagination is a huge step in it becoming real to us. We see it in our mind's eye. We visualize it. The next step is speak. Then we speak it. For what we believe will naturally rise up within us. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, the scripture says, Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed, and therefore I have spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak. As you go through this process of muttering and uttering and pondering and imagining, it becomes deeper and deeper and deeper in you. And there's a scripture that says, out of your heart your mouth speaks. And all of that that has been planted in there, you start to speak it. And it just comes out. You might be talking to your friends or your, or your husband or, or your neighbor, and it just starts to come out. That thing that you've been 
growing, that's been incubating in you. And then the last word that is in the concordance is the word roar. Roar. What happens when a lion roars? (laughs) Everything in the jungle knows it. (laughs) When we roar, when we have that rhema in us so deep, it is so real to us, the picture inside of us is refusing to be quiet, and it can't be held back. Faith is making itself known. Now, what I want to do is I want to share a little piece of my testimony and how, looking back, I went through this process. I didn't even know it. The day that I was, that my friend first started to tell me about Jesus the healer, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and I didn't know that it was God's will to heal. I didn't know it. And she started to give me little bits of truth. She gave me this book. It's a little tiny book of healing promises. And she said, Cindy, this is your medicine. (laughs) Didn't have any idea. Remember, you don't have to understand for word to be right, to become rhema. I didn't understand. But she said, take this book, Cindy. Read God's healing promises aloud every day. And I started doing it. So I was doing the first step. I was uttering, I was muttering, I was speaking them out loud. I I didn't know why, I didn't understand why. And they were not rhema to me. They were not real to me. I would read those healing promises and it was really good news, but it wasn't real to me. It was like fairy tale. Fairy tales are nice. They've got great endings. They're fun to read. Love stories, I love them. Ask my husband. (laughs) I can tell him the ending from the first minute the movie starts. But I still love them. That's how it was with these these promises. They felt good. They sounded good. What did I have to lose? I had a whole lot to gain, but I was simply uttering and muttering them. The next step, the next step was I started to contemplate them. I started to think about them. I started to stop. I would read it and I would stop and I would start to think about what those words meant. And about that time in the, in the timeline, something started to happen in me. I started to have peace that didn't make sense. I started to be, feel, feel stronger when I read these out loud. I started to be built up or, or edified. I didn't know why I didn't understand any of that. But something was happening. And the third thing, the third step, is imagine. This came kind of in tandem with pondering and thinking about the scriptures. And there were a couple of things that I started to imagine. One of the scriptures that I kept speaking over myself had to do with my, um, my lymph nodes. Because one of the scriptures that I, I read in here, that is God's word, is that um, um, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and quickens my body. And what I did was I started to ponder and think about what, what does quicken mean and what does my body mean. And I started to think about my lymph nodes because I was diagnosed with cancer that was all through my lymphatic system. So I started to take that scripture and picture my lymph nodes doing what they were supposed to do. And instead of being um, uh, defeated by cancer, I started picturing and imagining my lymph nodes surrounding cancer and destroying it. I don't even know what lymph nodes look like, but I had a picture in my mind of my lymph nodes going to work and destroying cancer. The other visual that I had, there was a scripture in here about immune system. And it said, my immune system is stronger today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow, it's going to be stronger than it is today. And then it goes on and there's some more. I'm going to find you. I know exactly where it's at. I've read this many, many times. It's on the last page. And it talks about 
My immune system grows stronger day by day by day. I speak life to my immune system. I forbid confusion in my immune system. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my immune system with the life and the wisdom of God, which guards the life and the health of my body. So you can tell I've said it many, many times. Then I would, I would just stop and I would say, okay, I can believe this, God. You know, it's hard to believe. I've, di- I've got this stage four diagnosis with incurable cancer. And it's hard to believe for complete healing. But I can believe this. I can believe that my immune system is stronger today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow my immune system is going to be stronger than it is today. I could do that. So every day I would speak that out with absolute confidence with absolute faith that my immune system is better today, stronger today, that my whole lymphatic system was stronger today than it was yesterday. So I started to imagine. The next step was speaking. That just came naturally. I couldn't hold it in. I had this really good news. I wanted to tell everybody. Uh, we, we joined a small group. We, we started going to two, sun, two weekend services. We went to our, our Catholic church on Saturday. We went to a, an, another church that was teaching me this stuff on Sunday. And I wanted to talk and tell everybody about what I was learning. I would tell people that needed it. I remember there was another woman at my school whose husband also had melanoma. And I said, I have some good news for you. I mean, I'm in the middle. I don't have a good report yet. But I'm telling this lady, I have some really good news for you. <laughs> I said, come to my office, because I was a learning consultant, and I had this little book, and I had some teachings on, on, on healing, and I had my Bible, and I was ready to tell her some really good news. She didn't receive it, which was really sad. But it, it wasn't Raymond to her. It was to me. I had gone through the uttering, the muttering, the the pondering, the imagining, and I was speaking it out. And let me tell you, I didn't always speak it out to other people, but I spoke it out to myself. I would, I, this thing was so worn out, I finally gave it away to somebody who was also healed. Somebody who lives in England, and, and <laughs> I only had one copy, my copy, so I gave it to him. And he's healed, amazingly, miraculously healed of, of brain cancer. But I took this book everywhere I went, and I read it out loud, and I I meditated on it. I made it personal. It became in me, and then, and then came the roar. I remember the day that I had the exploratory surgery that proved that I didn't have cancer. I remember that day. I had um, uh, a late scheduled surgery, and you can't eat course or drink the whole day and I was trying to keep myself busy and occupied because it's hard to you know you're starving and thirsty and so I was just outside working in my garden it was in June and my lilacs uh, were all dead you know it was past lilac season they were all brown um, dried up lilacs and I was just looking for something to do so I went outside and I started to cut the dead lilacs off I've never done that before I don't even know if you're supposed to but I did it that day and this is what happened. I look back now, and it was so unlike Cindy. I know it was something inside of me just rising up. As I started cutting those dead lilacs off, I saw dead cancer. <laughs> I didn't see dead lilacs. I saw dead cancer. And I started cutting them off, and this roar literally rose up in me. I would take those things, cut them off, and throw them to the ground as hard as I could throw them. And as I did, I was saying, cancer, you're dead. Cancer, you're dead. You're not in me. You're dead. You're dried up. You're dead. I'm healed. And tears are pouring down my face. Not tears of fear. It was just this thing that rose up in me. I hope none of my neighbors saw me because I was crazy. They would have thought I lost it. And I did that for the whole lilac bush. (sighs) And then I went, and I had surgery, and the word of the doctor verified the word of God that was in me, just like Mary gave birth to Jesus, I gave birth to the promise that God put in me. I wasn't sick. I didn't have cancer. But that process, guys, was huge. 
of taking God's promises and getting them in me. And it was a process. It didn't happen like that. It wasn't, it wasn't the first time Jenny gave me this book. It was six months of feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding on his word and being nourished by the amazing word of God. That meditation, I can't even tell you how important it is. And it, it's not a works. It's not a legalistic works. It doesn't matter if you have one scripture or like, I probably did 15 of them. I mean, it doesn't matter. One word from God can completely change your life. I want to look at one more scripture. This is Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. It says, there's two parts to this. The first part says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I love that part. It says, you know, don't worry. Don't take your time to take your brain and sit and reason and worry and waste your time. God says, I have a better plan. Come to me. Talk to me. Pray. And then leave it with me. And watch me take care of you. I'll give you peace to guard your heart and your mind. But then there's another step. Because I bet all of us can agree that we can take those worried thoughts. Okay, I'm going to give it to God. I'm not going to put my, my brain on it. I'm, I, I have a choice what I think. I'm going to choose not to worry. I'm going to give it to God. But then you've got an empty brain. You have to fill it back up because those worried thoughts are going to come right back in. And the best thing to do is to... Meditate on something good. And that's what the next scripture says. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You'll see in your scripture I underlined three of those things. We could probably give a sermon on each one, but I'm just going to take three of those and just talk about what it looks like to meditate. First one is the word true. That's what I did. I meditated on what was true. God's word is true. So taking a scripture and allowing it to grow in us. Now, here's a nugget that's a good one. I think this is worth uh, sharing with you. We have facts and we have truth. Facts are what is very real in the natural. Doctor's report, documentation from your MRIs, your CAT scans, your PET scans, or whatever. That's fact. God's word is truth. This thing that rose, that rose up in me, that, that faith, that doesn't come from facts. That comes from truth. Fact is a reality. Facts are reality, but truth is a greater reality. Sickness may be a fact, but the truth is that Jesus defeated sickness once and for all. So eyes of faith can see the facts and still believe the truth. When that rhema is part of who you are. You can see the facts, and it will not phase you. That roar, that believing, will believe the truth, no matter what the facts say. Facts are subject to change. But truth, God's word, God's promises remains the same. There's a scripture that says, knowing the truth will set you free. People often misquote it or quote part of it, and they say, the truth will set you free. But that's not, that's not true. You have to know the truth. And I don't mean here. I mean here. Knowing the truth will set you free. So um, you see on your paper it says, chewing the cud. 
going to use that uh, analogy to, to, to help you to know how to go through this process um, and a little more practically so that it's just it's not hard. God doesn't make anything hard. A cow chews a cud. And when a cow chews a cud, it's pretty gross, actually. You girls will love this, you little girls. This is, this is a good story. When a cow chews a cud, do you know how a cow chews a cud? You know what they do? What? They, they burp? Is that what you said? Because that's what they do. Okay, listen to this. They break. Okay, listen to this. They eat the grass. They chew the grass. They eat it. They swallow it. And then they burp it back up. Ooh, isn't that gross? And they chew it again. And they get a little more nutrition out of it. Pretty gross, isn't it? And then they swallow it again. And then they burp it up again. Isn't that gross? Okay. Now I'm going to teach you something about what Jesus can do that's even better, way better. That's what we do with scripture. Except it's not gross. We, we take it. We speak it. We ingest it. We swallow it. It goes into our heart, into our spiritual heart, into our spiritual tummy. And then we bring it up again. The same scripture. And we do the same thing. We speak it out loud. We ponder it. We think about it. We contemplate it. And then we swallow it again. We get more out of it. More revelation. And then you do it again. You bring it up again. That's what meditating is. And when I meditate, when we meditate, there's a lot of things that can kind of help. One of the things is to read it out of different translations. Read the same scripture out of different translations. Sometimes one is a little easier to understand or it speaks to you a little bit differently. Another thing that you can do is um, look up words. A word that's just kind of, hmm, I wonder what that means. Sometimes I use a dictionary. Sometimes I use a, a, a resource, a biblical resource like a concordance. But I look up the meaning of a word. Another thing that I do is I journal. I kind of, we talked about pondering or thinking or contemplating. So as I'm doing that, I kind of write down what I'm thinking. Because you know what? That's God speaking to you. It's probably not you speaking. It's probably God speaking to you. So take time to journal it. So that's what I mean by meditating on what is true. The next word under there that's underlined is meditating on what is a good report. That's what I did when I, when I was seeing my lymph nodes healthy. I was imagining. Engage your imagination. That's, this is a part where you can really engage your imagination. Um, those of you who know Dodie Olstein, it's Joel Olstein's mother. And she was diagnosed with liver cancer and sent home with no hope. She'd gone through everything that they could do for her. There was nothing else they could do. They sent her home. What she did when she got home made a huge difference. And this is what she was doing. She was meditating on what is a good report. She went home and she covered every mirror in her house. She didn't want to see the bad report. She didn't want to see what she looked like because she looked very sick. And then she took a picture of herself very healthy and she put it out where she could see it. And that's what she kept her eyes on. She couldn't, she refused to see herself not looking healthy. And she looked at herself healthy. She was meditating on a good report. And gradually, over time, her body was completely restored and she is still very, very healed. 30 some years later. Another example of this happened in my family a couple years ago. My daughter went through a, a really, really difficult time with her health. And she was it didn't just affect her health, it affected her emotions, and she was fighting depression and panic attacks and anxiety and lots and lots of stuff. And it was, it was New Year's Day, New Year's season, and Maggie called me, or I called her, and we were talking. She lived in New York City at the time. And I shared something with her. I know it was Holy Spirit. But I shared with her the power of, of looking ahead, instead of looking at all of the bad stuff, to, to keep your eyes on the good report. And I said, think of yourself healthy. Think of yourself well. And keep your vision there. You, you know what it was like to be well. And so she, this is unlike my daughter, she listened. 
<laughs> she, and the next thing I saw that same day, she posted something on Facebook. She posted a picture of herself healthy and well and smiling and having fun with a friend that had happened a year or two before that. And she wrote about it. And she said, this is me healthy. All of her friends, because she had already posted something about not being well a month or so before that. And she pictured this healthy picture, and she said, this is me well. This is who I will be again. And she started to speak it out. She had that picture in front of her. She posted it for the world to see on Facebook. And I will let you know that Megan is that girl again. She is well again. And I, and, I mean, I can't preach to her. She won't let me. So I had to do it in a natural way to talk about the importance of seeing yourself well. And it made a huge difference in her life. Instead of meditating on all the bad stuff, which is what she had been doing, she made a choice to set a goal and to meditate on what was good. It's a powerful biblical tool. And the third one that I want to share just a bit about is meditating on anything that is praiseworthy. And this is where we're going to be closing. Meditate on what is praiseworthy. God is praiseworthy. Knowing that God is good is bedrock to faith. It is the foundation of faith. It is so important to feed our hearts on what is good and what God is doing that is good. And don't feed our hearts on what it appears that he isn't doing. Feed your heart on what it, you see him doing. Pay attention to all those little things that you see God doing. You will see it if you keep your eyes open. And make note of it. Write it down. Share it. Talk about it. Praise God for it. Praise God for it. And then share those things. Share your testimonies. Share those good things that he's doing in your life. Share those God incidences, those connections, all of those things. And then if you're being attacked, go back to what you wrote down. Read it. Declare it. Speak it again. So I'm just going to sum everything up now. These are some of the things that happen as you meditate on God's word. You will come to know and believe that God has already healed you. Fear will be calmed and it will be replaced with God's peace. That rhema word will be established as, as an anchor for your faith. The switch of faith will be turned on and the lie of the enemy will be canceled out. Your heart and your mind will be renovated and you'll be completely transformed. You'll enter his rest knowing that it's finished. And you will be positioned to receive God's perfect will and the impossible will be possible. Amen. Amen.